That's Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse 11. And Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again, and he was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. 
Please do take a seat. And if you could uh, grab a Bible and look up that passage we had read earlier on from Luke 15, I'm sure that you'd find that really helpful to have in front of you. So do look that up, and um, as we begin, I'm going to pray. Father God, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you reach out to us with your love letter, the Bible. We pray now that you would help us understand what you want to say to us from it this morning. Amen. A while ago, I was um, cycling down the road when um, a car pulled out from a side street wanting to turn right. It didn't make it as I went careering bang right into the side of the car. It was obvious that the woman was in such a rush that she just hadn't seen me. And uh, as I kind of um, uh, got myself up from my crumpled heap on the floor and dusted myself down, she just started, she got out of the car and started laying into me. Look at the damage you've done to the side of my car. I'll have to pay for that because you're uninsured. And all because you were cycling too fast. I tried to stay calm and point out to her that Frantically as I might have been peddling, I'm not Bradley Wiggins and couldn't possibly have been breaking the speed limit. I also tried to point out that the you know, throbbing pain in my knee and the dull ache in my shoulder might just be as serious as the damaged paintwork to the side of a car. So I tried to be rational, stay calm, take deep breaths, not inflame the situation. But I just felt something bubbling up inside of me. And it was this. It was the wish for power. I wish for the power to convince this woman of my point of view and the error of her ways. And if I couldn't do that, then, well, I would wish for the power to have my bike just levitate up into the air and then crash down, pinning her to the ground. Or if I couldn't do that, then maybe I wish for the power to have the dog that was in the boot of her car just kind of go crazy and start biting her legs or for the dog to spontaneously combust along with its owner. Ever felt like that? Maybe not exactly like that. (laughs) Now, I'm not proud of those feelings, but I'm sure I'm not alone. A lot of us would love to have that kind of power, not because we want the best for others, but because sometimes we want the worst for them. But let me tell you this this morning. That is impossible for God. He wants your very best. God uses all of his power to seek us out and set his love on us. And because of that, it's impossible for him to want the worst for us. You may have experienced things or you may be in a situation right now where you find that hard to believe. You may know others for whom that simply just doesn't ring true. But let me assure you it is. And the best way I can illustrate it to you this morning is to unpack that Bible reading we had earlier on in the service from Luke chapter 15. And I'm going to throw out two challenges from it that I think are really relevant to all of us as we start this new church here this morning. Here's the first one, and if I could put it like this, it is that God goes crazy for lost people. I meet so so many people who I think have got totally the wrong idea about God and Christianity and what, what, what he's like. They think that God is this angry God who sits in heaven just waiting to punish us when we tick him off. Uh-oh, you swore. I'm going to give you a cold. 
Oh, look at so-and-so losing their temper again. I'm going to make her lose her job. Oh, good grief. Look at such and such over there drinking beer. I'm going to give him a terrible hangover or worse. That is such a wrong picture of God. God is crazy about us. And I'm not saying by that that God is literally crazy. It's that there is nothing that God wouldn't do for us. He would go to seemingly ludicrous lengths to see us reunited with him into a right relationship with him. And that's what this story Jesus tells in Luke 15 shows us about God. As like all Jesus' stories, it's a story from life that illustrates things about our spiritual lives. So Luke 15, verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. So the father stands for God, and the sons stand for us. And looking at this story, it's a bit like looking uh, in a mirror. As somewhere inside it, you will see yourself and where you stand with God today. So enter stage left, the younger son. Could that be you in disguise? Verse 11 again. There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. So the younger son, he's sick of life on the farm. He's bored, he feels restricted, hemmed in, and he longs for his freedom. So he marches up to his dad and he says, Dad, you know that uh, life insurance policy you took out? Yeah, yeah, I know it, son. Yeah, I'm aware. And so he says to him, well, I'd like my share now. (laughs) And the dad goes, listen, son, those things don't really mature until I'm dead. And the son goes, yeah, yeah, I think you get the picture. You get the picture. I want you dead. You see, this son is saying to the father, I want your money, but I don't want you anymore. Now, as I said earlier on, I'm the father of three children. I do remember their names. It's Lucy, Jamie, Kate, in that order, descending. And those of you who know me know that I do love them to pieces. And I'd be devastated if my kids were to march up to me one day and say, Dad, the only thing I want from you is your cash. Maybe you've got older kids and you've had that experience and you know how painful that is. And yet, embarrassing for us, that's often the way that we treat God, isn't it? Remember that Jesus is saying the Father stands for God, the Son stands for us. And by nature, we all treat God like the younger Son treats the Father here. We want life and everything that God gives us in this incredible playground we call earth. But we take his gifts and we ignore ignore the giver. And our slogan is there in verse 12. Father, give me. You just give me what I want and then just stay out of my way. That's what the younger son says to his father. And amazingly, the father doesn't say, oh, mate, you are so grounded. <laughs> get, or get out of my house. No, the father's response is even more startling than the request. He simply divided his property between them. He patiently endures the pain of rejection. And he lets the son go, even though he knows fine well that the lad is probably going to blow it on all on drugs and birds and booze. (laughs) Which is exactly what happens. And the guy has the time of his life, but the party leads to a pigsty. As he squanders not only his money, but he squanders his life as well. We only get one life, and he's wasting his. It is so, so desperate. 
And the end of verse 16 is really striking, isn't it? As he finds himself longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. He lived for pleasure and finds himself surrounded by people just like him. They're takers, not givers. And if you've ever experienced that, then you will know that's an incredibly lonely experience. The son finds that and uh, decides to return. Make a groveling apology and see if the father will have him back as a cleaner or a gardener or some kind of slave. And he heads back to his father, carefully rehearsing some lines. Father, um, I'm sinned against you, against heaven. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I'm so, so sorry. What does the father do? Does he come out, stand on the porch, fold his arms, go, (laughs) this had better be good. Oh, man alive, this had better be good. No. What happens? Can we see? Verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Blink and you might just miss how outrageous this is. Older men never ran in those days. It was considered beneath you, shameful, embarrassing. In this culture, a father running was about as unlikely and undignified as seeing the queen running. Have you ever seen the queen going out for a jog? No, neither have I. And there's a reason for that, isn't there? But this father doesn't care what the neighbors might say. He doesn't care what the papers will write. He throws his dignity out the window over his lost son returning. And he runs to his son. And he throws his arm around him and he kisses him. And the word for kiss here in the original language is is continuous. He kisses him and he kisses him and he kisses him. He literally smothers him in kisses, which of course was deeply embarrassing if it was your mum dropping you off at school back in the day. (laughs) But if this is how God welcomes you back when you've turned your back on him, you can really see how crazy God goes for lost people. Because what we're being taught here by Jesus, this is what God is like. He's like a father waiting, watching day in, day out for your return. And when you do, it's not punishments and frowns and finger jabbing. How can you show your face round here after all you've done? That's not what you receive. No. God greets us with extravagant, abundant, outrageous excitement. I don't know about you, but after all the things I've thought and done and said over the years, I know all I deserve from God is censure and condemnation. But the amazing thing is that although we might have forgotten God, and we might not have even thought about him for days, he never forgets us. He's a loving God who longs to forgive. And he goes to unbelievable lengths to do that. As this is where Jesus writes himself into the story, as God made forgiveness in a way back to him possible, when he sent his son into the world to die on the cross for us. He sacrificed his dignity and ran out to meet us in continuous kisses when he sent Jesus to die the death that you and I deserve. So that all we need to do is come to our senses like the lost son and return to God in humble repentance. And it's not criticisms or conditions that will greet us, but an overwhelming celebration of love. As this is what the lost son gets, isn't it? 
In fact, the father's love is so overwhelming, the son can barely get his carefully rehearsed lines out in verse 21. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. So here's the challenge. Come home. God is calling you to come home this morning. He would do anything to have you come home to be with him for the rest of your life. And maybe this new church is an opportunity for you to week by week discover what God has done for you and what God still wants to do for you. We really want this church to be a place where God is our dad as he welcomes us into his house and throws a robe of blessing on us, puts a ring on our finger and says, you were lost, but now you're found. Come on, let's celebrate that and work out what it means for you day by day. So come home to God. But God doesn't just go crazy for lost people. Here's the second challenge. God wants us to go crazy for lost people too, as there's two sons in this story, isn't there? And it's my suspicion this morning that many of us are more like the elder son than the younger one. At first glance, he seems to be a totally different kettle of fish to the younger son. He's a fine, upstanding moralist, He's the dutiful child. He joined the family firm and he's working away industriously there. He's not like his brother for a minute. But he's nothing like his father either. The younger son returns. The father's glad. The son is angry. The father greets him with open arms. The brother with clenched fists. The father says, my son... The brother says, this son of yours, as he's not even willing to be in the same gene pool with him. And let's be honest, if this was happening in your family, you'd be a little ticked off with it too, wouldn't you? If you're the oldest son, you're thinking Daisy the cow is being fattened up for your bar mitzvah or your graduation or some other occasion like that. But now all of a sudden, Daisy's dead. She's on the spit roast because lame old brother came back. Having the younger son back is going to cost the older brother big time. And he is not willing to pay the cost, is he? Verse 28. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. (laughs) I'd say that. I mean, you'd say that, wouldn't you? Oh, come on. He's been off gallivanting like that. I've been here working hard. It's unfair. But once again, blink and you will miss just outrageous. Just, Just how outrageous what the older son is doing here is. In our culture, it seems like he's just asserting his rights. But in Jesus' culture, he was insulting his father. He refuses to go into probably the biggest public occasion his father has ever held. He remains outside the door, publicly publicly declaring by his absence, my father is an idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's got it wrong. 
In fact, he hasn't even got the decency to call him father. He just says to him, Luke, in verse 29, look here, you old fool. You see, without ever leaving home, the older brother has found himself just as far away from the father as his younger son, as his younger brother was in the pigsty. And yet, the father treats him with just as much generosity and compassion and love as he did the younger son. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. You see, the father basically says, despite how you've publicly insulted me, I still want you with me. I'm not going to bin your younger brother, and I'm not going to bin you either. I challenge you to swallow your pride and love your younger brother like I have. Now remember, Jesus is telling this story to show us what God is like. So if we could pop a DVD in the back on the tech desk and up on the big screen see um, the character of God, this is what we would see. And what we see is that God wants your very best. God could want the worst for his sons and daughters who insult him and rebel against him. But instead he wants the very best. He wants younger sons to come home. But he also wants elder sons to share in his feelings for the lost. Like the elder son in the story, God doesn't want us to work for him, but with him. And reach out to bring lost people back to him. He wants, to use all the resor- he wants us to use all the resources that he has given us. The family inheritance, if you like. To bring lost people back into the family without even thinking about the cost. He wants us to give time and money and reputation and ambition for something that counts for way more than any of those things. People returning back into relationship with God. Because in God's eyes, that's the most precious thing in all the world. So here's the challenge again. Will you be part of God's efforts to reach lost people? Are you so amazed by the price that God paid for you that you won't think, about, think twice about the cost of what it would take to help others return to That's what we want to be about here at St. Joseph's. So if you're already at home with the Father, if you'd call yourself a Christian, God is calling you to work with him, to reach out to people in crazy love. Just like the younger son, so many of our friends are living in a pigsty. Some of them you'd never know it. They look just so fine on the outside. But inside, it's all just falling apart. Wouldn't it be great for folks to come home to the Father? To feel the incredible richness of his loving embrace. To be ushered into the party. It's costly to work for that. It's really costly. But it is so, so worth it. Not just for those who return, but for those who reach out to them too. Because just like the older son, we get the chance to share in our father's happiness. Let me pray that through for us. Let me pray that for us now. Father God, we thank you for this insight into the love that you have for each one of us. We confess that there are ways that we have run from you or served you begrudgingly, which leave us far from you. Please forgive us through the precious blood of Jesus and bring us home. And we pray for ourselves, not merely as individuals, but we pray for ourselves as a church 
that we would, like you, reach out to and love and welcome prodigals rather than be the cause of them running away in the first place. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.